0: I don't know if you've ever been to the shops uh, and you've noticed that they've got this thing they're called like the odd bunch. So you go to Woolies and they've got, uh, basically it's a collection of odd fruits or odd vegetables. Uh, Many, many years ago, maybe even five or six, you wouldn't find these vegetables at the shops because they were considered to be not cosmetic enough. Uh, people wouldn't buy them because the carrots weren't perfectly straight or, or the pears looked like they had a bit of a bottom on them or maybe the lemons kind of had a little bit of a disfiguration. And so there's a group that have come out with these things called the Odd Bunch. Uh, and they basically, they got all that fruit that others may not actually want to purchase and they put it in a bag and they provide it for you so that you can actually get it. It's often slightly cheaper, uh, but it's basically recognising that you can still have this fruit. Uh, as someone who does gardening, I, I sort of realised this when I really started to get into it, especially with carrots. Getting that perfectly long, straight carrot, uh, there are some tricks and there are some things you can make sure your soil has to actually improve that. But you still get your crazy forked carrot from time to time and you still get other bits of fruit that kind of look a bit odd. It's an odd fruit. Here's the thing about it though. Odd fruit is still fruit. It might seem a bit strange. It might seem a bit weird. It might have things going in funky places. But it's still fruit. It's still edible, uh, unless it's, you know got some disease or something of that nature, and that's something other than odd. Uh, it's actually still fruit. And that's going to be important later on in our session today. We're starting a new series today. It's called The Parables of Jesus. So over the next few weeks, we've got a whole series looking at various parables. So every week's a standalone message. Uh, We've got some guest speakers that are going to be coming and speaking to some of the parables as well. And so if you look across the teachings of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are many times that Jesus teaches by parable. So we're going to keep ourselves into the book of Luke, at least that's going to be the predominant text each week, is looking at the different parables that Jesus shares from the book of Luke. Uh, In case you don't know or in case you're not aware, what is a parable? Uh, A parable is usually a short, they're often very short. Some are a bit longer, but they're often very, very short. It's a fictitious story. So it's not a real story. It's something that Jesus sort of made up or he put some things together that illustrates a moral attitude or a religious principle. So it's a short, fictitious story that illustrates a moral attitude or a religious principle. And oftentimes you'll find Jesus shares the story with a large group of people and he leaves them hanging. And it's only then with his disciples that he actually gives the interpretation. What is this parable about? And it's one of, if not the most common teaching tools that Jesus uses in the New Testament to to bring across his thoughts, his teachings, his way of living. And so today we're going to look at a parable and the question that we're going to sort of talk about and think about and work around is this one. What does true repentance look like? What does it mean to repent? Uh, it's a very kind of Christianese word. You, know, you might sort to of say sorry, and we'll, we'll sort of unpack it as we go through. But, but what does it actually look like? How, how do you know if someone's really had true repentance? I'd love you to jump in with me. So we're going to jump in at Luke chapter 13. So grab out your phones or your Bibles or whatever it might be, and obviously it will also be on the screen uh, so that you can follow along as we go. Picking it up, Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Now, there was some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galilean whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. So we'll just pause there and give you a bit of context what's going on here. So what had happened at that time, it was an actual event that had taken place. So some Galileans had come down to offer sacrifices to God. Uh, and the Roman authorities at the time weren't particularly fond of God being recognized. And so Pilate actually had them killed and used their bodies uh, in mixed in with their own sacrifices. So it was something that had gone on, and that'll be important in a moment. We continue on and Jesus comes on to say, Or oh, those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you, t- you, all, you too will all perish. And so what's happened here is Jesus has shared two stories Two examples. So these are real stories. This isn't the parable yet. These are real things that had happened that those who he was talking to were well aware of. It's kind of the story. It was the news of the day that was going around. And so one of the questions that was being asked was, did this happen as a punishment? Were they worse sinners? Were they so bad that God had to actually cause them to die in this way? And so Jesus is wanting to sort of speak to that time because he knows that's what people are thinking. He knows that's what they're wondering and he takes this as a teachable moment. And so a couple of things he clarifies before he moves into his parable. The first one is he makes it clear that a person's suffering or death doesn't mean that they were or are more sinful. That just because someone might be suffering or someone might have some disease or there might be something going on in their life or something of that nature, that in itself does not mean that they were especially sinful. It's not what it's about. What Jesus wants to make sure they recognize what matters is repentance. That what Jesus wants to see from those who would come and follow him is not that they would follow him so that they wouldn't have bad things happen or that they'd be better or worse than what was going on, but that there would be repentance. And he's going to speak to that very shortly. And so one of the things we have to remember is that life's fragility should actually give us a sense of urgency. So both of those stories were stories of people who met an untimely demise. They didn't expect to come to the end of their lives. And so Jesus is drawing to attention. Now's the time to repent. Now's the time. You don't know what's going to happen. It's not because you're a good or a bad person. Things can happen when you least expect it. And life's fragility should give us a cause for urgency, that that, that we would repent or that we would call our friends and encourage them to, to learn and to understand what repentance looks like. So then we get to a parable, and it's in Luke 13, starting at verse 6. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in a vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't Found any? Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? I'll just pause there. So, firstly, I don't know if you'd noticed this, but it certainly stood out to me at the time. And until I looked it up, I was a bit confused. But a fig tree in a vineyard—what? When you expect to be talking about a, a wine? You know, a, a grapevine in the vineyard. Well, actually, what was very common in that time was to have all kinds of trees in a vineyard because the soil is so good you would also have other fruit trees and so to have a fig tree in the vineyard was actually pretty common it also meant that everything that needed to be done could be done in the one place and so you could sort of work the soil work the trees get your fruit and we have this idea of there being three years that that they've been coming looking for fruit for three years you you need to recognize that with fruit trees they can actually take a number of years to fruit. A lot of fruit trees will not fruit in their first year Uh, and it's especially true for figs that they can take two to three years before you can actually expect to see fruit and that was something that was known and was part of what was going on. So then we go back to the story, sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year. Maybe it's one of those really late blooming fig trees. It it just needs a little bit more time. Leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, cut it down. So remember, this is a parable. This is a fictitious story. This didn't actually happen. But Jesus is using it to illustrate a point. And what's going on here, and again, a bit of context to this, is that the fig tree is a common metaphor in the Bible for the nation of Israel. That in many places in the Old Testament, when God's wanting to give a story that represents Israel, he will refer to them as being like a fig tree. And so what Jesus is actually saying here, what's going on? is Israel has been given every chance to produce fruit. But again and again and again, Israel has failed to do so. So much of the Old Testament is the story of God setting them up for success and God giving them so much and blessing them and saying, go forth and do this, and then Israel stuffs up and makes mistakes and doesn't actually follow what God is calling them to. And so as Jesus was coming and as Jesus was walking around, he was coming to bear witness to Israel. In fact, most of Jesus' teaching was actually delivered to a Jewish audience that Jesus himself said that he came to speak to the Jews because his followers would go on and speak to the Gentiles after him. And so a lot of his messages were very directly pointed at the people of Israel. And so what the meaning of this parable is is he's actually giving Israel one last chance to repent. That he's been sent by God to be one last chance to call Israel back to God and to say produce fruit. That that's what repentance looks like. Produce fruit. Now, one of the challenges when we have things like this kind of story uh, is that this story in particular is actually directed at Israel and it's very specifically directed at Israel. So what does that mean for us? Because it isn't a direct compare and contrast. But this idea about fruitfulness and its link to repentance is actually found in another place. And in that place, it absolutely relates to us. So we're going to jump there and have a look at that and see how this story that Jesus shared to speak to Israel can also speak to us right here today in the 21st century. Uh, And it's even in the book of Luke. So we can go right back to the very start and stay in the book of Luke. Uh, It's Luke chapter 3, and I'm just going to read verse 7 to 9. So our main character in this story is John. Don't get confused. This is not Jesus. This is John. So John was a precursor to Jesus. Just a normal everyday person, though people may not have described him as normal at the time. He did some strange things, but he came as a precursor. And this is what he said. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Go try that on your friends next week. No, probably not. You brood of vipers. Who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is ready already at the root of the trees. <coughs> and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down. And thrown into the fire. So, in verse 3 here, we see what John actually came to do. The whole premise of John's message as he came out before Jesus and he was leading the way for Jesus to come behind was that he preached a baptism of repentance. That from the earliest days, baptism has been linked with a decision to repent. That when you decide to be baptised, when you decide to follow Jesus, you're repenting, you're saying, God, I realise that the way I've been going has been wrong. And I need to lay that down and I need to turn and I need to follow you and I need to live for you. And so John is expressing that when you've made that choice, there's fruit that follows. When you you actually decide to follow Jesus, there is fruit that follows. When you've decided to repent and you meant it, there's fruit that follows. Verse 10 to 14 says this, What should we do then? This is the people's response, the crowd asked. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptised. Tax collectors, what good can tax collectors be, would have been the common thought by people at the time. But even tax collectors, the lowest of the low, came to be baptised. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to so what was the practice of the tax collectors? They would get It wasn't like today where you'd get a tax bill and you just pay what the bill said and quietly moan in the background. It was basically the tax collectors would take as much as they could possibly get from you. And they would find weird and wacky ways of basically saying, you owe us this and you must give us this or else. And so Jesus just says, just take what's owed. Don't collect any more than you are required to, we told them. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. And so John looks at each of them and they ask questions that in some ways are based on their background and how their life is. And and John doesn't say, you know, stop being a tax collector, stop being a soldier, stop being a teacher, stop being this, stop being that. Think about your choices and think about how the choices you'll make impact on others. Because true repentance is followed by action. Basically, John is saying, if you actually have come to me and said that you want to repent of the way you've been living, then of course you've got two shirts and someone's got none. Of course you're going to give them a shirt. If you're a tax collector and you come and you say that you've repented, of course you're going to stop extorting more money from people than you need to because that's what you would expect from a heart of repentance. With repentance comes fruit. But here's a few things, and I hope that these would encourage you. Here's a few things that Jesus nor John said. So neither Jesus nor John said the following. Your fruit needs to be perfect. Neither Jesus nor John said that what you did had to be perfect. You don't have to form perfectly straight carrots. Maybe your fruit has a couple of little bits coming off the sides. Maybe your pear fruit looks like it's got a little bit of a bottom. Maybe your orange is a little bit discoloured. Maybe your lemon looks a little bit strange. See, it was clear that they were saying that you expect to have fruit. But one of the challenges I think we have as followers of Jesus today is we hold ourselves to a regard higher than Jesus does. And that unless we can do something perfectly, we won't do it. That that unless we can do it exactly as we would like to see it done, we'll just wait and we'll hold back and we won't do it. And that is not what was ever taught by Jesus or John. So just as what has happened today in our shops, we've gone the very cosmetic route of, if your fruit isn't perfect, it won't be purchased. That is not what the gospel teaches. Odd fruit is still fruit. Uh, Another thing that they didn't say is that you need to produce fruit out of season. Now, why was the fig tree expected to have produced fruit after three years? Because normally by the three-year mark, a fig tree will have produced fruit. But nowhere in the teachings of Jesus, nowhere as John was talking, did they expect fruit to be harvested when it isn't a harvest season. And there are going to be seasons in your life there are going to be times that you go through things. And the reality is, in that season, you're probably not going to be bearing fruit. And you don't need to start whacking yourself over the back, saying, I need to produce fruit, I need to do that. No, in that season, be in the season that you're in. But don't stay there longer than you need to be there. Because the fruitful season will come again. One of the great things about gardening, I I really enjoy gardening, and we've got some good gardens going at the moment, is the seasons change and the seasons move. And life is like that too. You might be in a season of winter and everything's kind of shut up shop. But spring will come. But you are not expected to produce fruit out of season. Another thing that neither Jesus nor John said was this. You won't face challenging, growing conditions. Neither Jesus nor John promised that you wouldn't face challenges. And that just because you have challenges, that doesn't mean that you can't be expected to fruit in season. You will have challenging seasons. You will have challenging, growing conditions. As long as we're this side of eternity, as long as we're this side of heaven, things will come our way. Caterpillars will enter your garden. Ants will come. All kinds of other, uh, you will lack some nutrients at times. You'll need to add some fertilizing you You'll need to add some other things. To help yourself grow and produce fruit. But with repentance comes fruit. It's one of the ways that Jesus teaches that you will know who his disciples are by the love they have for one another, by the way that they live amongst one another. That you would expect to see those who call themselves Christian looking differently than the others around them. Repentance is characterized by fruit, even if it's a little odd. Repentance is characterized by fruit, even if it's a little hot. And so as Jesus shared his parable to the people and he was talking to Israel, so John and others throughout the New Testament speak to us. What matters? Repent and believe the good news. Jesus has come, that Jesus has made a way to restore your relationship with God. Repent, turn to him, acknowledge your ways. So what do we do with that? If you're here today and you've actually never accepted Jesus, you've never made that decision to follow him. There is no better day than today. And if not today, well then tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, well then the day after. But there's no better day than today. Because the fragility of life should give us a sense of urgency. And if you believe the story of Jesus, maybe that's your wrestle. Maybe you're not sure about the story of Jesus. We'll continue. We'd love you to continue to come. We'd love you to continue to wrestle with the person of Jesus. Because it's the person of Jesus that is at the heart of the Christian faith. If Jesus lived, if Jesus died, if Jesus rose again and Jesus went to go to be with God for eternity, then we may as well explore the rest of faith. And if Jesus didn't do any of that, well, then we're all wasting time. But if you have decided you actually think there's something to this Jesus story, today's the day to repent. Now, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have all the answers You don't have to have solved all your problems. In fact, bring those to God and repent, accept Jesus today. If you're here today and you've already decided to follow Jesus, you've made this decision, maybe it was many years ago or maybe it was recently, but you've made that decision. How's your fruit? Maybe take some time to reflect. What season are you in at the moment? Are you in a fruitful season but not actually producing fruit? Uh, are you lacking some nutrients and so you actually know there are some things that, that are missing in your life that you need to actually get back into your life? Maybe there's some nutrients. And you, know, you know manure actually is one of the main nutrients for plants. Maybe you've got some manure in your life that you're like, I'd really like to not have that manure but actually that's going to be part of what brings out your fruitfulness. Maybe there's some challenges in your life that are actually going to be something that fosters the change that you need to see. But what are you lacking? What nutrients, what season are you in? What fruit is being produced? Maybe it's a reminder to you, oh yeah, that whole fruit thing, that's part of following Jesus. And that you would bring and bear fruit in season And there are some times that you can actually produce fruit out of season because through the strength of Jesus Christ that we live and we have our being. So if you've accepted Jesus, how's your fruit? Because repentance is characterized by fruit, even if it's a little odd. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for the reminder and the challenge that you've called us to repent, to turn and to follow you, that your ways would be our ways, that your thoughts would be our thoughts, that your kingdom would be what we look to build in this life. So I want to pray for those here today, anyone who may not have decided to follow you. Lord, I would pray that you would encourage them, to say yes to you, whether or not they've got everything together, whether or not they've got questions and challenges. Lord, may they be able to start that journey today. For those of us who have been following you for a time, I pray you would help us to reflect on our lives and the season that we find ourselves in. Help us to produce fruit. Help us to know what we might be lacking so that we can be fruitful. Provide us with the encouragement, with the support. Bring us the people alongside us that would challenge us and provoke us and prune us. May we as a church be a church that produces fruit. May we not just go through the motions of doing church, but Lord, help us to be the church wherever we go. We thank you for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.